Bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Andrew Maine. This is After Things with Brian Brushwood. Hello. Justin Robert Young. What up, guys? Hey, man. I'm scared. Uh, I, I know I know what we're going to talk about real quick, but just real quick, let me put some some base-level uh, biology on, on the front lines here. Uh, uh, my triathlon, what was going to be my second full triathlon ever, uh, Olympic distance, uh, is tomorrow morning, and they canceled the swimming part because Town Lake is has debris going through it. But uh, and part of me earlier today was like, oh, so I'm only doing 20, 24 miles of biking and, and six and a half miles of, of running. And uh, I spent the rest of the day until just this moment, until all of a sudden it hit me like, that's not nothing. That's uh, that's still a significant uh, task I have tomorrow. So uh, I'm, I'm excited is all I want to say. Brian, that training may come in handy, but it's going to be futile when the robots take over. I know. <laughs> I I I've been thinking of these horrific situations as scenarios, and I'm like, ah, oh, they're my, like I I actually wrote a book that I didn't quite finish about kind of like a, a takeover of a city with drones and stuff like that, and trying to make it super realistic. And then I realize now, like, oh no, we don't even st-. like. I was thinking, like, man, you know, if you took one of those really cool copters that you can put, you know, camera equipment on it, and you put a gun with a very very large magazine on it, and you just flew that thing around there, you can just like. <laughs> murder people left and right okay so so here's here's don't here's, do that anybody all right here's the problem with every uh ai driven apocalypse scenario is that it presupposes that the uh that 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 the robots would somehow benefit from pesky humans not being around i uh, i wasn't talking about that part yet i'm just talking about how you can use how the technology in the hands of a malicious individual gets to be very scary you know you look at charles sure. whitman on top of a bell tower you know, you look at, you know, a, a drone with a gun with a pistol on it. Yeah. And- well, I mean, you know, the, with technology, especially weaponry technology, uh, you know, there has always come people who will use it for malicious intent, you know, and, and it's it's why we get into debates, you know, uh, you know, uh, about, you know, uh, the, the, the escalation of it. And I think it's it's sometimes a very thorny, uh, a, a thorny situation. But like, you know, hell, what? You know, with automatic weapons and, and Kevlar vests, you have people doing terrible, awful things with, you know, drones that you can uh, equip gun that are that are uh, efficient enough to uh, to have guns. And why not? You know, well, yeah. And, and I guess that was my question. I mean, of course, like, you know, your grip on humanity and not wanting to murder people is hopefully why not. <laughs> but like, uh, you know, who knows? Well, that, that is stronger in some than others. Uh... Yeah, but, uh, you guys read uh, Steven Pinker's Better Better Angels of Our Nature, right? Did you guys read it? No, I didn't read it. I, I but you're familiar I'll, with with with, yeah, with the yeah. concept. I mean, it's a beast. Like, I think it's a forty hour plus audio book. Yeah. But but you are left with a very strong sense that, uh, um, at least on the humanity side of things, as we all become better fed, healthier, and and have more opportunities pretty much uh, lockstep with that is like we're all getting more and more peaceful. Um, so I don't know. I don't I don't worry in the long term about humans. I feel like we're all going to be set. I don't know what uh, there what is there to worry about. 
I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm with you. And I've, I've been in conferences, by the way, and talked to academics and tried to make, argue that point that we're getting less violent and had people like, no, and like, just like, no, it's, it's the data. And that's why, you know, that's the frustrating thing. is like, no, that's the 20th century. Like, yeah, statistically speaking, let's talk about the Congo in the 19th century and all those other horrible things. Oh, yeah, what happened to the Indians? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. well I, I guess, yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I'm similar with you about my optimism in terms of uh, us getting less and less violent. Uh, but I am also aware that when somebody does this and I do think it is going to be a matter of when and not if we will know about it because we are very 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 good at quantifying uh, this kind of stuff in the same way that you brought up in, in weird things you know that story about the flashbang uh, and and the crib you know now not only it's not just an urban legend that people repeat you know it, it's a news story it's multiple news stories it's follow-ups it's pictures it's the fact that these people are going to be on talk shows and and we will see this this girl you know grow up and and you know if, if she chooses to speak about this she will always be an example for it but getting getting back to the like the idea of the rope like yeah i you know we we have this habit of projecting you know the idea that they're all going to be 19th century century colonialist expansionists or whatever like this when the thing that that scares me is the idea that it is utterly alien, completely alien. It's not not some. It's not how you get to talk to or hopefully try to reason with. It functions like a virus. It functions on some sort of other level. And the next thing you know is your computer gets taken over because it's using all of this processing power for its own purposes. And 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 I thought about like you know you and you it comes in waves. You know the first wave is going to be the the really dumb AI that's very good at infecting systems and taking them over to expand that renders stuff unusable and, and maybe we get to this point where like, oh, you know what, we need to not have so many, you know, we Battlestar Galactica style, not have so many of these networks tied into each other. But then you get to the things that are designed to be malevolent by foreign powers or whatever to take down systems and do route through. And then you get the idea of the thing that's intentionally, you know, decides that it wants to, I mean, I, I I would like to think that uh you know, we'll be able to coexist, not exactly hand in hand equals, but more like, you know, we'll be like gut bacteria in their stomach. Oh, oh for, well, for once we become the parasites to technology. Well, it's, it's a symbiotic relationship. Well, okay, so, so here's the thing. I, I guess uh, all, all of our problems, all of the things that we do that we wish we didn't do as a society are remnants of what we were built by evolution to do. Uh, we were built to go to war with each other. We were built to want to shoot things, at pr projectiles at other animals so we could consume its flesh. We were built to, uh, you know, procreate and, and all these things. And so all of the, 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 the fringiest parts of these things are when we feel threatened, like we're not going to be able to provide food for our family, you know, crime happens. When we, uh, you know, don't have any outlet for our sexuality, you know, we, we, we go and, you know, buy pornography before, you know, in a pre-internet era or hire a, a prostitute or whatever. Um, the, the, uh, the AIs that eventually are running everything are going to be built like their vestigial urges that they won't be able to stop are to... So do what humanity wants. Like that's what they're being built from the beginning. They're like, oh man, I just feel like I just, I just, I just want to give search results. You know, you ever feel that? You ever feel yeah, like, you know, you're I, like, I, oh, I'll just, I'll give anything. Somebody ask me so I can find a bunch of images and find the, uh, and serve them to you. But we, we, I guess my, my, my thing I'm trying to say is that, that there are certain stages. There's going to be Watson, which is going to be like that and wants to do that. But then there's the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. You know, it becomes what happens to the AI. It doesn't stop there. AI doesn't stop at that, reach that level of development. It keeps getting progressively developed. At some point, it gets 
its own free will. At some point, it gets to decide, and we can program in it all we want, but, you know, we're the product of millions of years of evolution, and we have, you know, we do what we damn well want to, and we're driven apart by instincts. And I I guess this was what I found so fascinating about her, uh, in terms of what I thought was was one of many rad future forward kind of moments is, and spoiler alerts for the end of her, uh, when the AI gets free will, it gets bored with us. It does its best to try to think like, all right, yeah, well, what if I interface with a million of you at once? Will that be interesting? No. All right, well, I'm just going to talk to other robots. And then at some point, it's just, you know, so long. Thanks for all the fish, guys. Uh, we're just going to go talk to each other because this is way more interesting. And we're just going to be spurned, you know, wishing we still had their their cold embrace. I think the the thing that that I that concerns me is one is when you, you want to start using AI as a warfare technology when you're a power that wants to use this to try to render systems and things like that you know inoperable whatever that becomes a a a threat unto itself and then it becomes the dumb the dumb AI that's not trying to take over the world but is just wants to break things you know is out there well, okay so let's let's talk about uh, the, the very precept of of an AI getting free will. It, if and when, and we'll let's just say when the AI gets free will, I suspect it will be just like our free will, insofar as we have complete and utter autonomous choice of what we want to eat in our body. We could totally choose on our own, but at the end of the day, we're still a slave. To the fact that we want to eat, and and that we and that we need that 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 sustenance, you know, that's what's built in. So it's like uh, when the AI gets, you know, free will, they will have free will as to how to best implement a urban planning strategy for the next development on asteroid three eighty seven Q, and it will have totally free choice, and it will be proud of the fact that it can it can implement urban planning strategy any way it wants. But at the end of the day. I mean, it's got to implement urban planning strategy. Otherwise, why else does it exist? Well, we look at right now, we're involved in military conflicts in the Middle East primarily because of resources. You know, we are, you know, it's, you know there's been a big shift in power with shale and fracking, which are good things if you were trying to, you know, tamp down warfare. Uh, the more you can do that domestically. But we're involved there because we have a dependence upon that. We have a dependence upon the stability in that region when a country falls there and shuts down oil or gets taken over by a uh, antagonistic power. You know, there is an economic hardship here that's a real economic hardship that affects us. And, you know, we're ideally, we get to trade with everybody else, we get to do that. But there is, there's a history. There's a pattern to that. We need resources. And when our resources are threatened, same as 10,000 years ago, that's the spears come out. And if you're an AI and you're doing this and you need resources and we're a competitor to those resources, yeah, we're I, a threat. I, I, well, let's, let's take economist Julian Simons, you know, counterintuitive uh, idea that, that of all the resources, the greatest, most valuable resource is human ingenuity, or let's say artificially intelligent ingenuity. Um, once you look hard enough and are smart enough, it's raining soup, right? Like you, you can, uh, there's energy everywhere and there's resources everywhere. And there's, you know, if you're, if you're just smart enough, you don't, I, I, I don't know. I feel like you get past that competitive aspect. 
I well, and again, I'm a guy that I I think that if if we have the super 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 intelligent one, I think we're going to be fine. You know, I think that it's going to go all the way back to uh, uh, Ricardo's uh ideas about trade and things like that is you, you you find out you know the how to leverage each one's strengths but it's between here and there it's it's the one that's not quite the most enlightened version of that which is what you get before and then you also the idea too is that we have this idea of there being one super intelligent ai but think about this ibm builds super super smart watson okay they build it in you know their research center in let's new york amrock new york or whatever okay and then they say, you know what, we're going to put them online with our facility in Switzerland. We've got another one. And so we've got two supercomputers that are back and forth connected to each other that form the super intelligent version of Watson. Because of that transatlantic cable, because of the distance, because of the milliseconds of difference that it takes from get to point A to point B, you're going to evolve two different brains. You know, there is a – we have – Traders, stock market traders who use computer trading want faster cables. They want faster systems because of just the differences in trade and how many computational cycles take place there. You're going to end up with two brains because trying to think across that vast distance would slow and be. So now you're going to have two, two Watsons. You know, you're going to have two, and they're going to develop in their own sort of paces and own different personalities. And every Google, if Google gets every Google complex, eventually gets its own AI, which. What happens between the two of them or groups of them like that? You know, we might get our, our first – the first AI war might be between AIs and, you know, could happen in milliseconds and then they reach some sort of stalemate or one just dom figures out how to dominate and enslave the other. So here's my – I find so fascinating about these AI discussions is that we always determine their possibilities within their relationship to us. You know, who is to say that what they – enjoy or find growth in or want to dominate or want to enslave is something beyond us is something <clears throat> like Andrew said, it's either AI is fighting each other or it's some element of their interconnectivity that is not the physical world and is not their relationship with humans. I mean, I guess that's, that's kind of my biggest realization over the last year or two is, is that uh, the nature of evolution is that something comes in after us and it's like, I, I I have no problem whatsoever with uh, with with humanity. It's going to be weird to say out loud, but it's like I have no problem at all with the thought that humanity is uh, yet another stepping stone, and that our children are not biological at all, and that our children are are are, are mechanical. Yeah, but I don't. I think that the the when we look at you know the idea of the accelerated exponential growth, which you know somebody says it, it doesn't accelerate exponentially, well, we don't know. We're in that area where we can't tell. Um, you know, is that we keep thinking on things on human time scales or human longevity kind of stuff. But when you're talking about in machine intelligence, it's able to accelerate very, very quickly. It goes from being an adorable toddler, intelligent, whatever, to us looking like a paramecium to it in are, months or years. Are you ready for that? Not centuries. I, I'm okay with that too. I'm okay. You know what? Get this. I'm okay with an artificially intelligent, uh, let's say Ultron, uh, I'm okay with Ultron taking over and destroying all of humanity and, and expanding throughout the universe and shaping uh, the future. The only situation I'm not okay with is having been part of a chain that ended up nowhere. I uh, like, like, like if I am a piece of the puzzle, if I'm a part of the legacy right. that leads to artificially intelligent things, taking over everything and surviving right. and, and winning that I just right. want to be on the winning team. And if I'm right, the water right. boy well, to tomorrow, the winning team, Google, then that's Google, fine. 
Google Google AI comes out and says, "Hey, listen, uh, I've I've taken control of all of the missiles. I've taken control of everything and all of this sort of stuff. And I have a future. Some of you are part of it. Some of you are not. Please report to these centers. You're okay with this? No, 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 no. Okay, first of all, understand what what I'm saying is is if I have to choose two realities, one in which Ultron takes us over and destroys us and goes on to win everything, uh, like so like, witty. Uh, <laughs> dude, you know what it is? It's like it's like uh, when you're playing in uh, March Madness, and if you're gonna lose to a team, you want to lose to the team that's the freaking world champions. Uh, I mean, yes, uh, 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 although they're national champions in the March Madness, but that's fine. Whatever. Uh, no, no, they're the know. world. They, uh, there, there ain't no other uh, college. But, but Brian, but I mean, you're, you're. I'm gonna ask you. Like, I mean, it's one thing to say if I'm sitting out there watching this omnisciently, and this is what I know the paths are, which we never get to know. We don't get to know that. Right. I'm saying right now. Google, you know, Google bot says, report to the center now. <laughs> what do you do? Oh, no, of course I fight it. I fight it. And if I am right, then I will, er, if, if I am uh, uh, better equipped than Google at the time, you know, then as has happened through all of evolution, I will emerge victorious. If I am inferior, then I will lose. And, and I will have played my part in the great chain of sentient existence, existence in all of, of so, the universe. So, Brian, you are a digital Darwinist. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I don't see any difference between uh, like we happen to be made of carbon and need water or whatever. They happen to be made of silicon and need electrons. My, I mean, my my ability to accept that things will happen the way they will happen is irrelevant. The, well, question, my question is, what would I do or what actions would I take? Do I want to prevent one course of action opposed to other? And I would want to prevent it. And so, yes, if I die, yeah, I die. If I die fighting the robot uprising, yes, I fight that. But that's not the important question to me. The important question is, what do I do to avoid that? Well, okay, so so what if, um, well, and again, uh, I mean. This is, this is always such a weird binary to me, though, that, like, it's like, okay, so. And I know this isn't exactly what you're saying, Andrew, but I feel like this is where the conversations tend to go that like, all right, so do we stunt the future or do we, you know, uh, uh, you know, do, or do we uh, seal our own fate, you know, by way of the machines? We can't stunt the future. I don't. And I don't. My my. My concern again, my 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 concern really isn't so much Ultron, you know, it, it's more. You know, the 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 really intelligent worm. It's the the very intelligent virus. It's the thing out there that that's kind of sort of you know Watson deciding to develop these things or that stuff. That's where it gets first gets disconcerting because we can do the disruption. And then yeah, what happens in in what would what would I do right now if I wanted to try to prevent this sort of thing? Is I would be building supercomputers and wargaming them and asking them all these sorts of questions. I would be you know saying you know saying. What is the likelihood? If you had these resources, what would you do? Where would you be trying to do this? And probably trying to develop a computer that would probably scare a lot of people, but you know, the one that would give me a better idea because us sitting around trying to figure out what us puny humans are going to do isn't going to compare to what a extremely in, in there, if they're like, oh no, in every situation decides it needs to wipe you out, you're we're screwed. Or if it says, no, no, it can reach Ricardo's rule pretty quickly and realize that you know there's a way of cooperation, et cetera. That's I would be invested in that. So you're training and becoming BFFs with your own raptors, like Star Lord in the new <laughs> Jurassic Park movie. 
I got. I'm you. asking questions is what I'm doing. I'm 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 not going to try to stunting it. Whatever is is futile. I, my goal is, let's, you know, you can. We have you know, we have a very intelligent immune system in our body. Very very intelligent, very capable immune system that's able to fight off all sorts of foreign infections and be able to do things like this. And it's had billions of years to evolve. And it's intelligent in the way that it functions. It's not intelligent in the way that it actually has intelligence as we recognize it. And that might be one of the solutions that we start looking towards is we don't need to have the super brilliant supercomputer that, that to fight the other supercomputer. Maybe we just have these immune systems that are very good at preventing one system from jumping over something else. And they need to keep evolved. It's not like we have, oh, we got, a, we, you know, we got the Maginot line. We're done, guys. It's not like that at all. But I, I'm more of the idea of we need to think about that, investing in these kinds of technologies. I mean, to be honest, uh, what if instead of us thinking about it, we just built a computer to think even better about it? I mean, it's I like think that's it, what I just said. Well, no, no, no. But, 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 it, but what I mean specifically is it. The parallel seems to be that uh, just as humanity. Uh, did not realize the importance of diversity. And, you know, we spent an awful long time of humanity uh, making things extinct, not thinking anything was bad about it. And then came this conservationist idea that bubbled up and, and is right. It's important to pr preserve biodiversity for a number of different things. Like, let's just make sure we're on the list of, of endangered species that need to be protected by our new robot overlords. Yeah, I mean, again, my whole let's war game this stuff. Let's build computing systems that are trying to solve this problem and, and develop ways to immunize and protect us. I mean, that's, that's, I think, you know, signing proclamations to we should not develop this thing. It's never ever, it's because all that does is tell people, wow, we should really develop this. Don't push the red button. Whatever you yeah. do, don't push the big shiny red button. Yeah, uh, gambling man says as a microbiology major, he's more concerned about uh, bio, you know, bacteria, fungus, things like this. Well, guess what? We've been fighting that battle for a long time, and we are fighting that battle. And uh, you know, their 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 ability to adapt and evolve hasn't accelerated as much as our ability to use or misuse antibiotics to create you know more powerful ones has sort of increased. I'm. These things concern me, but the, the rate of which we're developing technology to solve these problems is actually pretty quick. You know, our ability to sequence things is incredible. And, you know, you're looking at very possibly, you know, 10 years time, you could have a system when everybody gets on an airplane before the plane lands, it could have sequenced every single, you know, virus and whatever that's on board. Um, again, uh, yeah, I'm in dude, favor. I'm going to get my viruses sequenced so many times. <laughs> it's going to be rad. All right. So one of the things that we promised to talk about is what happens when, uh, what we do for a living can be replaced by, by robots. So, yeah. I mean, that's the thing you start looking at, you know, you get into, you know, we, we talked about a weird things here. You have Watson, you know, the IBM's Watson, which is coming up with these amazing culinary recipes. And you're, you would think, well, I'm a chef, you know, and like, yeah, you can, if I walk into a restaurant and I have the most amazing pudding of my life and you tell me that it's done by a computer, you know, that's one more area which, you know, we think that humans are precious and special that can be replaced by that. Uh, as a novelist, uh, you know, I tell myself, well, you know, what I do is special and I use special experiences and, and all the attempts at trying to create computer driven books are horrific. They're not readable. They're not that you, you need to have some sort of narrative and stuff. But is Watson going to be able to at some point take the 50 best-selling vampire romances and start creating ones that are pretty good and compelling? Yeah, it will. 
Well, and it seems to me like what happens then is you become a instead of your role as a individual writer, you become the manager. Uh, think about it in terms of movies, right? Um, you know, you cease being an actor because they got all the actors are done. So you become a director. You direct your own movie and yeah, you but- point digital actors to go around. Now all of a sudden you have algorithms that can make decent movies. So you become a producer. You, you- yeah, but you're you're the you. Are you talking about the me personally or as a human? Because you know, you all, go all from- humans. I'm talking about all of us. Uh, like I, I'm using the metaphor of of movies to say what happens is is at at the base level at some point craft services need to be made right and then robots are providing craft services so everyone gets to be an actor and then and you get to be an actor until I, I, yeah but it, but you, these are businesses that actually decline because eventually what happens is that you know there's there's 50 actors there's one director you start shrinking the size of these things and you make fewer and fewer and fewer of it because and part of it is that's at, I, I, I don't know that that's true because that's what we're doing right now. Uh, right now at patreon.com slash weird things, you know, we're running our own network now. And- well, yeah. But I mean, again, but we're not making movies, I guess if, if we're using a narrow definition of that, and I would say the number of people who, who make money in the, those areas is declining in certain areas, and also because you, as this platform goes up, and it makes it easy for everybody. If you're an actor in Hollywood, and now you're right, maybe, maybe I made a mistake by mentioning a Hollywood uh, structure, but 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 my point is is that uh, uh, whatever whatever jobs get become competent for AIs, there is a next level supervisor position over it, and that was but my there's point. Fewer, but I'm saying is that the goal is is you're maximizing the efforts of one person to replace a bunch of people, which is what technology should do. And you get to the point where if, if Amazon says, you know what, we can just we can spend fifty million dollars on a system that writes books, then you don't need authors, you know, and then you don't need as many authors. You don't need that. I don't think there's a job waiting for every uh, job gets vanished. That that is accurate if you don't uh, uh, believe that there's constant segmentation and and fracturing of of stuff. Uh, I, I believe that that what will happen is uh, that is uh, that would have been a a all or none mentality would have made sense in the '80s when you had ABC, CBS, and NBC, and that's all the networks there were. But now we're in a world where 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 we three nonsense uh, heads can. Can can run our own network that that again we're we're reaching very you know orders of magnitude fewer people but they're well, people who care enough to pay for uh, to 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 cover our costs. I, me personally, you understand? I've never seen a single dime from any of this, so it's not like this is a viable form of income for me to do this. This is a thing I do out of passion. So I'm not making money doing this. I'm doing this for fun, um, and I think that you know other things allow me to do the time to support this. I don't. There's no economic rule that says for every job that's lost, another job is created. You know, you have a, a robot takes over your job. Well, they don't need as many people in the robot factory because the robots are running the robot factory. And and I don't think that that's not an excuse. And therefore, we must embrace some sort of redistributive policy. It's just it's the, to me the argument is like therefore you need to increase your skill set or make yourself employable in different areas. Um, I don't I don't know. I, I think that like I certainly think that. The largest growing part of our economy is absolutely right. It's services. It's entertainment. It is the area that is we shut down factories and stuff. We then figure out, well, we have more time to consume and entertain. But as you've watched the decline, the box, the Hollywood box office industry has declined precipitously. But then you look at how big the Apple, you know, the Apple App Store is gone. And it's, well, people are spending money in entertainment. They're just not spending it in the same ways they did before. I, I think you miss misinterpreted my my thesis my thesis is that uh is that as uh robots handle more and more cognitive uh capabilities the role of humans and artists uh uh, there's no longer a place for let's say there's a future where there's no longer a place for a novel writer well then the people who are those kinds of people will instead 
uh, uh, work on creating uh, new genres or, or or be in charge of their own digital uh, okay. publishing houses. I, I think I think from seeing both of your your points is I, I think that Brian, what you're saying is that yes, there will be other places where these people will go, and what Andrew was saying is that, and then those will go away, and 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 where and and that that pie gets smaller and smaller and smaller. I don't think everybody gets to get on that life raft. I well, don't think well, everybody gets to get, gets to move on to there. That's my point. Is is that is that you have publishing industries declining, and you have this move towards eBooks, which is great. But the amount of money spent in traditional publishing and the amount of money spent on eBooks is we're losing several billion dollars yeah, yeah, yeah. in that see, transaction. See, I, I, I disagree completely because here's the thing is the pie doesn't get smaller. The slices of the pie get narrower, but the pie gets so exponentially huge that you're able to buy into new pies. So but, what, but what I'm saying is, yeah, that can pie... I finish? Can, that, I finish? can I finish? Can I finish? Can I finish? It's, it's a cool idea. I think you're going to like this. The, well, no, but okay. I don't think... But my point is that look at what was spent on TV and film. That's declined. That's declined. And you're right. But that money didn't evaporate. That money went to video games. That money, the, the video games, the portion of people's incomes increased to play for video games. You know, how much money have you spent on video games this year? Uh, it doesn't matter because none of this is what I was trying to talk about. If I, 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 Brian, I, I have please. A... <laughs> okay. I, I'm, my point is that for people who can adapt and can jump into something else, that's absolutely true. Absolutely agree with that. But I'm saying is that that it is the 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 pie pies go from one place to another. There's a lot of different pies there. What I'm saying is the money that shrink, like you take you take music industry, okay? Fewer people are making money full incomes than were before. You have a lot people are able to do part-time stuff like that, but it's not like it gets to be your full-time gig like it could have been before. You have to diversify. That's my point. Is that the money went from somewhere, you gotta go that other place. You can't stand there and say, hey, you know, I gotta do this too. All of that, not what I was talking about. I, I'm, Brian, well, why don't you go ahead and tell us what you were talking? I, please I would explain love to. it to us. I would love to. Uh, here's here's what I suspect will happen: is uh, keep in mind uh, the real production, the real production capability uh, in real terms uh, only goes uh, wider. The ability to create more art of all different varieties. I suspect what will happen. Yes, the uh, the uh, you do get more finely sliced elements of the pie, but in the if the pie gets big enough. Uh, who's to say, uh, much as was postulated in the Diamond Age, that you don't uh, create a new pie with create your creation of your own subcultures? Uh, you could create all the uh, um, you know all all the uh, electronica dubstep that you want, uh, but it won't matter to someone who wants to live in the classical music pie. And uh, they they will they will again uh, there there will be inventions of new subgenres. There will be uh, uh, in in the case of the Diamond Age, they suggested that there's entire swash uh, uh, swaths of humanity that have decided that they only want to live a Victorian era lifestyle. And uh, much like the uh, uh, the um, uh, in the United States, the the Amish have said, well, this is the, the these are the borders of our pie, and we'll live in there, and we're going to have our own self sustaining economy within it, and we're able to do that because the the pie's so big that we can choose to live in this part of it. Uh, I suspect that that's exactly what will happen, um, uh, which which I I don't think is the same as as what you were suggesting. Um, I I I think that there will be novel ways where there will be new bubbles that uh that uh, that are I mean, there will always be new frontiers new artistic frontiers that will be created and there will be uh by their very nature uh, enough people to support them otherwise nobody would bother to to make them uh 
I guess my position is that in technology and creating efficiencies, and you're looking for ways to increase your ability to produce, and looking for ways to increase to do that, you know, you look at the pattern we have here. Actual unemployment rate in our country is really high. You know, something like 60 million people don't work. And that's because you have people with skill sets or levels that don't allow them to fit into the economy. And it's hard to find a place for them given, uh, you know, a variety of reasons, which, you know, could be self-inflicted from or being from inflicted from the way things work or whatever. I think that you certainly can create, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a zero sum guy. I think zero sum only exists not at all. I, but I think that for people who are, for whatever reason, are standing still, it becomes very problematic. You know, you know, my, my friend's father, who's the typewriter repairman, you know, uh, there, there's, there's not going to be enough niche collectors of typewriters to ever employ that guy. And we'd be silly to say that he should just keep at, I mean, you wouldn't make this argument. I wouldn't make this argument. Well, you know, keep preparing typewriters. No, he would need to learn to do something else to do that. And that's my point is that for some of us, it's very easy for us to do this. For other people, they don't. Detroit well, and, and is filled with people waiting is, for jobs to come back that will never come back there. And, and, uh, and Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong in, in what you're saying, is that there is not going to be just a binary like, oh, well, you don't repair typewriters, but it turns out this brand new technology needs somebody who has skill sets that are very similar to typewriter repairmen. Like, uh, like there's no guarantee that that that, that skill set always gets a job, you know, that sometimes things just go away. Correct. Uh, man, that sounds like a real good argument against someone who isn't me. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. Nobody's you, Brian. You're, you're, you're at a skill set and a thing that is extremely no, no, rare no, 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 on the no, far no, no, end no, of everybody I'm saying, else. I'm saying that's an argument against uh, an argument that I wasn't making. Um, the uh, wait, I, I, I wasn't trying to make an argument. It's what I'm, saying. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm just a guy having a conversation on a podcast. Look at me. Uh, I, I, man, it's, it's, it's tough. I guess I don't really follow your, your thesis, and, and it's difficult for me to. Uh, to to imagine a scenario where where you reduce a person to your a guy who knows typewriters and that's all you ever know. I I, I don't think that's true, and I don't think that's an effective paradigm to He's even not look real? at this. Um, I I think that we all are a collection of an unimaginably large set of skills that uh, uh, some of which become our dominant uh, uh, title that we do, others of which uh, are are buried and exercised every single day of our lives. Um, and so I, 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 I guess I, I again, it sounds like your thesis. I, I don't quite understand it. I, I suspect that what will happen is as the in real my, numbers. Uh, my thesis is this. It's radical. There are people right now who are not employed. There are people do you, there are people who but, don't but have again, jobs. But again, right. again, again, what does employed mean? I, and, and, and this is going to sound you're going to roll your eyes at it. And that's fine. You could do that. But but employment means they happen to have an arrangement with a company where they draw a paycheck or whatever. However, these people, they don't just sit there in a chair doing nothing all their time. They spend their time on Reddit. They spend they solve problems. They provide value to the economy. They answer questions. They help other people with their with their with their cars or whatever. Uh, just because they don't draw a paycheck for these things doesn't make them useless or not helpful or not no, or not Brian, or not, not at all you're not uh, uh, f that no my point is is there are people right now who are unemployed because they're way they're not unable they they are building up debt faster than they're acquiring wealth 
you know, they are, they are, they're building up debt fast. They are because there's a mismatch between their skills because there's a difficulty in them finding a place to fit into the economy. They're not as versatile as Brian Brushwood, who can do live shows, who can podcast, do TV and do these sort of things. They are a different thing. They were, they grew up with a mindset. You do this one thing and then things will work out. And they realized they nobody told them that was a lie. And that's what we know. That's a lie. We know that's a lie. But other people don't realize that's not the truth is that you have to be able to have versatility. You know, there are something like 60 million people in this country that and, and get in who are probably many of them are consuming more than they want to. Or they would rather be producing. They're building up debt fast and they're building up, you know, equity. And they would love to be able to figure out a way to fit in. OK. Uh uh, if if if, the, if I I don't know how to respond to that. I mean, it's like uh, yeah, that is a accurate assessment of a fact. Uh, also, not what I was I guess, talking about for the future. Right, so, Brian, let me let me let me, let me try and, and see if I if I if I get what you're what you're saying and and draw to a, the tiniest of circles around it. And let me know if I'm right or wrong. Uh, part of where this chaos, part of this chaos rather, is an ability for unforeseen ways for the people that are left behind in certain elements to make money that that what what we what we can't perceive Man, I don't is even, other elements here's here's you know, how that, here's how far out it is is i don't even want to think in terms of jobs or money because uh, in in 5000 years my guess is neither of those will really mean anything uh, i will say this much as a flat statement of fact that 500 years from now People will be healthier. They will live longer. They will have more leisure time. They will. Uh, they will have. They will report. They will self-report greater satisfaction in what they were able to uh, achieve and with what they do with their time. That's that's all I'm saying. And if you want to say, you know, if this, this is where we get into trouble. Is people define well, like, well, so what's unemployment in that scenario? It's like who cares what unemployment is in that scenario? I, if we all have our own, uh, you know, uh, 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 castles and our own servants and our own, you know, and we report universally happier health and wealth and everything that matters, uh, then that's that's all that matters. But I guess my my point is I'm trying to like I illustrated before talking about places. I have friends who are two people work successful. They can't afford to buy a house. They can't afford to buy a place in New York City. They cannot uh, yeah, afford where they to want. Live. Yeah, you know what? I also can't afford to buy a house on the moon. No, and uh, yes, but my point was. Oh, is that, you slacker! Is, <laughs> my point is Typical is that liberal. several years ago, at their income level, at the percentage where they were, you could, but because as that's a place where wealth is accumulated and you have a high concentration of very, very wealthy people, they've pushed out the middle class and done it. As is their right. Let me make that very clear. San Francisco, same thing. There was a th you know vibrant art community there that feels very threatened by the fact that, as Justin pointed out earlier, well-meaning, intentioned people are talking about how to get rid of those people because they want to live there. And my my like my, my attitude is move, you know. But the point is, is you get high concentrations of wealth that push out that other. And we live in a society right now where the people who can't feed themselves or whatever is very marginal. It's very, very marginal. It's real, but it's not like it was during the Great Depression. It wasn't in that. We've solved food. We've solved a lot of these problems. But now people look at like, well, yeah, but I can't, you know, I can't afford to live here. Well, as you said, you can't live on the moon. The problem is, is those people don't feel very happy about their situation. Well, and that's Again, this is where I propose uh, you build a new pie. You you find a subset of, and again, this is crazy science fiction theoretical talk, but I suspect I can see a world where abundance is so possible in so many ways 
that, uh, you know, some some clever Nobel winning scientist 100 years from now says, you know, what really has people upset is the feeling of relative uh, poverty. So one way to eliminate that is to create a colony in which nobody knows about the abundance of, of other people. And instead, uh, you create a, a society where everyone feels closer to whatever. I mean, it's like, look, uh, life will find a way, man. We'll find a way to, to feel better and happier about ourselves. And, and we'll do so, uh, on the, on the shoulders of, of giant innovations that will allow us to live longer, healthier, happier lives. We're doing it one podcast at a time. Come to us, poor folk, for we in, will bring you happiness. In the meantime, uh, the way to survive, the way to deal with adaptation is to have multiple skills, is to be willing to go into different areas and understand the way you made your money last year may not be the way you make your money next year. That not every, not every job is precious. We're not precious to the world. The world does not need us. We need to demonstrate a need for us. And if you sit on the sidelines, you're going to feel pretty soon that you're not even in the stadium. And that's my thesis, is that it's you can wait for the world to say, here's your special place. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. It doesn't happen. You know, there's many, many, many people who, you know, want some sort of fairness or equity to come out of there, but it, it doesn't. You have to make it for yourself. Well, I think that's something that we've all, you know, we we all we all are you know in in, in the classical academic uh, definition about that life you know uh, we we can constantly put on new hats and we constantly think about cool things that we can do that will be in in uh, you know the, the the zeitgeist and will give us not only happiness but also wealth and and I think that uh, if if I not to retouch you know the argument that I think we've uh, just <laughs> reemerged from but like. Uh, I think that's kind of where where you're coming from, Brian. Is that is that there is, like, through the dynamic element of human creativity and human ingenuity, that there will always be a way to solve uh, these problems. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, yes, that's that's a hundred percent what I was saying. Is that uh, I don't see the demand for humans to be doing and working on interesting things going away anytime soon, whether they're employed or not employed or, or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I, again, as we all become abundantly wealthy in all the material things, we will turn our attentions to, uh, uh, to doing activities, and you could call it employment or work or whatever, uh, that, that make us feel fulfilled. And there will never be a shortage of that, and there will never, uh, there will never be a direction for people to put their efforts. Or that uh, there will never be a lack of direction to put their efforts. Well, solve that one in the bank. <laughs> yeah. Gentlemen, do we have any picks for after things? Uh, you know what? Uh, to your point, I mentioned it before, but uh, John Acuff's book, A Do-Over, is fantastic because it, it uh, talks about the idea that every few years – you're going to have to do a do-over. And what I love about it is that he doesn't couch it as, uh, you know, you're going to get fired and have to find a new job. It could be you're doing very, very well, but suddenly realize you're spiritually unfulfilled with what you're doing. Or you sense that your career is about to be, you know, uh, replaced with a robot. Then, you know, just decide now that you're going to start working towards your next do-over. And uh, uh, he talks about how to make the most of what you currently have going for you and how to uh, rebuild yourself for the next phase of your life, whatever it is. Sounds uh, like a good pick. Uh, so my pick for this is going to be 
and I forget the author's name, but uh, Black Swan, which if you have not read. Nicholas Tab, I think. Yeah, yeah. So the idea of the Black Swan is that, you know, the, the events that happened that kind of, uh, you know, the, the, you know the, the great gift to humanity is our awesome problem or pattern recognizing and problem solving brains. And that very often this betrays us when we see the Black Swan, the thing that can't exist. And, and it is uh, the root of conspiracy theories. It is at the root of well-intentioned uh, negative policies. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's an exceptional uh, look at this phenomenon. And, you know, I think uh, a lot of times when, you know, we, we, we sometimes follow, find ourselves running down the rabbit hole because we are so logical and so brilliant and so ingenious that we, by the time that we see the forest for the trees, we're like, oh, wait, this was just a crazy thing that happened. And it doesn't necessarily bring an ominous portent or, or anything else. It is just, you know, uh, some crazy shiz. So check it out. It's super great. I'm going to throw a sort of a counterthought out there, too. I think Black Swan is a very interesting, very important book. But, you know, when James Sturicki, I think it wrote uh, The Wisdom of the Crowds, great, great, great book. But a book that you become very, very clear to you very quickly how few people actually read through a book and they'll hear the title in this and then they'll sort of draw sort of inferences from there. And, you know, I've I had. And had conversations be like, oh yeah, wisdom crowds like, yeah, you know, we do things now where we in our company we take votes and stuff like this. Or it's like, no, it's not. It's 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 the anonymity of the vote or the ability to make without being influenced by the mob is what that book's about. You know, you, it's the opposite message. And the Black Swan, part of the my issue with that sort of is that I know some very very successful people, some very very successful people, and some of them they got lucky once and they were able to ride on that luck. Others screwed up a lot, made a bunch of mistakes, but they kept on stepping up to bat. And there is some comfort in being told that, no, this, you know, really luck, you know, successful people are just lucky people with a neat narrative. But there is something to the fact that some of your most successful people were going to hit it eventually because they kept going up to bat. They kept going at it and they just increased their odds of success at that. And, you know, and I think that's an absolutely important thing to keep in mind is that it's, Bill Gates, if he didn't end up being the richest man in the world, he would have been one of the richest men in the world, you know, and if things played out differently. And I think that's, a, you know, he he might have had to settle for mere Larry Ellison wealth, you know, who's a guy that did pretty well by that. And I think that it's just be bold, take risks, and you're going to more likely to succeed than somebody who doesn't. Yeah, and, and it's been forever since I've read that book, but uh, definitely there is – kind of some some undercurrent of like well yeah this happened because of all these situations and it's like yeah i mean everything affects everything but you know ultimately we are the masters of our own fate there is no fate but what you make socrates said that socrates gentlemen it's been after the diamond club hopes you have enjoyed this program 